502 Radio. Ah, lovely. Next up is Blue Burnham. He's the sustainability manager at Oliver Spencer. We first got chatting at Manchester Met where we both went to uni. I met him at a party where we had a few drinks and got chatting about menswear uh, and the things that we kind of shared in common. He's now in London, so it made sense for him to be a guest on 502 Radio. Outside of work, he has his own jewellery brand and clothing line, so it made sense for him to come on to the podcast and talk about that. Hello, what are you saying? Welcome, well. Uh, not a lot, man. Just been enjoying this beautiful weather. Cycling around London, enjoying the, enjoying the day, man. Good, man. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, so my name's Blue Burnham. I'm from Brighton originally, 25 years old now, living in London. Work on a variety of things. Menswear, I've, that I've been kind of involved with for a long time now. Done my own thing. I work for a London-based menswear brand called Oliver Spencer, um, heading their sustainability. And I also make jewellery as well, men's jewellery. That's it. What's the jewellery brand called? It's a, a self, self-named brand. Yeah, Blue, yeah, yeah, Blue Burnham is the name of the jewellery brand. Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I played with, I played with a few names and things like that. But uh, everyone I speak to is like, "You've got your name, man. You've got to use yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not many people it's are called. Unique yeah, names, not many it? people are called Blue. So, so yeah, I went. I went along with. I've always been a bit reserved about associating with something with my name because I've wanted to keep kind of a separate identity from from what I'm creating. But yeah, it's sort of all come together quite nicely like that, and I think um, the brand works quite nicely with that name. Prior to your, your jewellery brand, you were doing, or you still are doing, BRC Life? Yeah, 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 BRC Life, which is an abbreviation for Brightly Coloured Life. I started that when I was at university. Yeah, it was it was a really nice project, actually, and still still going, but it's sort of, jewellery's taking over at the moment. But yeah, so Brightly Coloured Life was sort of a menswear brand, which was focused around creating contemporary menswear, which was interesting, had cool details, and was sustainably made, in quotation marks. It kind of was environmentally above board and socially was doing the right thing and that was really cool man so like I was learning about that a lot of university that was what I was into sustainability within fashion and yeah so a lot of focus on kind of using the right fabrics most of the time I was using organic cottons working with dyes making sure that my fabrics coming from the right places um, as it developed I then went and went to India I was meeting with kind of families who were hand weaving and yeah, now actually in the Spring Summer 18 collection, you've got jackets from, from when I went to India two years ago. From I met a family who are, who are weaving. This cotton was so beautiful. It's like really, it's almost waffly. It's just a really heavy weave and it's yellow and it's been dyed with marigold flowers and it's just beautiful, man. man. Where, whereabouts did you go in India? It was um, in a place called Bouge, just outside, well, in Gujarat. So how yeah. do you communicate with them? So I was really lucky, actually. So um, my girlfriend, she was into sustainability and fashion as well when she... Yeah was at university and when she finished she got in contact with these people over there and went there and spent she was in India for six months but I think she spent just a few months at this place but in that time she kind of went to this main hub and then from there she met all other people around so she had like some good contacts to put me in touch with so it was was really easy for me actually I just sort of got in contact with them was chatting with them for a while telling them about what I was doing talking about what they were doing and just working out that it was going to work and then then yeah, everything was aligned and I went over there and it was really, really an amazing experience actually. So, so you've been doing your, your own brand for that, since uni? Since, since uni, yeah, or? yeah. Since, since I started in the final year of uni actually with a friend. What did you study? Was it fashion design? Or? Yeah, business and fashion, man. And I okay. just sort of like, just sort of, it was cool because it was quite an open course and I, mm. I was really, I got really into sustainability. And like the most, I was always in, interested in into it, but like in the final year I got really into kind of 
fashion and sustainability and just luckily my course was quite open so I could sort of really hone in on that and like yeah did my dissertation around kind of the influence that businesses who engage in kind of CSR which is a corporate term for sustainability um how that influences people's kind of purchasing habits and that sort of thing and yeah and you just got to kind of focus it to do the brand as well so it was yeah it was a real nice project to be able to get my teeth stuck into at university but yeah after he, he's still a very good friend of mine and uh, he was just like look this is your passion man you, you run with it and take it um yeah I'm happy with how it's turned out so far yeah so I, I've ran with that for a few years and yeah I mean I love menswear so it's a really nice thing to do I, when I was in India as well I was also learning from them I sort of knew a bit already but about indigo about indigo dyeing and the history of indigo and where it comes from and how it's used and it's kind of further purposes it's like ayurvedic purposes and yeah spiritual purposes and all those sort of kind of things came into it and uh yeah and then that was sort of something i really focused on was was dyeing a lot of my stuff with indigo naturally but all dyed here in in hackney on my balcony <laughs> on, yeah. the 11th, on the 11th floor yeah. So are you still doing it now, like with your hand dyeing processes? Or? Yeah, man. I've actually run out of indigo <laughs> at the well, moment. It's <laughs> a plant, right? Yeah. So in, it, there's um, quite a few different plants that indigo. Yeah. The, the the active ingredient, the main ingredient, is called indigo tin, and that is found in so many plants around the world. I mean, you can get it in cabbage. It's in loads of plants growing up. Oh, okay. But it's like it's found in such small quantities that it'd be you know, no point trying to get it out of that. So the one that the the plant that they mainly cultivate in India is Indigofera tinctoria, and that's like one of the most highly concentrated. Um, well, it's the oh, plant where there's the highest concentration of it. Basically, there's a plant in England in well that grows in Europe pretty well called woad. Have you heard woad? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. people used to dye themselves. With yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the, and like Julius Caesar and like uh, the you know other kind of the English around there. I think all the English like uh, armies used to like yeah do it to yeah, try and scare the enemies. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and woad is basically another plant which has a really high concentration of indigo tin, which grows better in Europe, but still doesn't have as, as high a concentration as indigo ferro tinctoria. So yeah, so um, yeah, I'm still still dying at the moment. Yeah, but like I said, I've, I've run out of indigo at the moment. <laughs> so I'm and just trying to get like, my hands on more. At the moment. Are you getting yeah. like shot a text from your indigo indigo? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So what is it? Is, <laughs> it, is, it, is, it the, is it the plant that you get and then you then kind of kind of boil it, or do you have to? It's like um, a I can't remember exactly how the process goes, but it's sort of like a, if I'm correct, it's sort of like a fermentation process. Yeah. From where they get the plant, they soak it in water, and then they get the the extract from that after, and then it's a paste. Yeah. And then it's dried out, and then you can you can get it, you can acquire it in a few different forms. Sometimes they store it in what's known as a cake, which is like a little like padded block of it, basically. And then sometimes you get it in powder and sometimes you get it in a paste as well when it's still the paste and they keep it wet. Yeah. I've been speaking to a lot of people in Thailand and they all keep paste um, just because it's nice and easy for them to be able to use after. So what, what is it you use on the 11th floor in East London? Pa- I, I could use it, any of them. Yeah. But at the moment, what I have been using is powder. Okay, and you just mix it with water and you just dye whatever you need to do. No, no, it's it. not that. It's that simple. So no, so I mean... Because I remember, I remember saying to you, I'd like to dye one of my, like, I'd like, yeah. like one of five white Uniqlo Oxford button downs. I was like, you know what, I'd be sick just to come to yours, dash it in the thing, done. And you were like, nah, nah, nah. There's, no, there's a bit more to it than that. There's way that. more to it. And there's there's way more to it with most dyes, even synthetic dyes nowadays. But I mean, this one, it's, it's what makes it so amazing as well. It's basically, it's quite a scientific process, but like in a really kind of cool, mysterious way. If you imagine an indigo molecule is like a fist, fabric's like your flat hand. If you just put those 
together in water, that's just going to like hit that, but mm-hmm. then as you take it out, it's just going to fall off. It so, doesn't enclose it. Yeah, it doesn't. So what you need to do to fix that indigo, indigo is like, like a closed fist when it's um, oxidised, so when it's had access to oxygen. When it's deoxidized, so it opens up, it turns from a clenched fist into like an open hand. Now, it also goes from blue to green, which is pretty bad. So it goes green, and when they're green, yeah, they're like an open hand. So imagine that, so you've got your open hand, and then that's the fabric, grabs on, and then you take it out of the uh, deoxidized environment into an oxidized environment, clenches on. So this is one of the also really cool parts about it. It's like, with indigo, you have to dip loads of times. It's not like you can't just put it in, take it out, and that's it. it you need to keep re-dipping it to re-attach more and more indigo molecules to make it get to like a dark colour and get, get an even dye. But yeah, so when you first put it out, it's mad. It's like, you pull out, if you've got a white t-shirt, and you pull out, it's green. Yeah. And then slowly, over 10 minutes, it turns blue. And then as you do that as well, you keep doing that. It keeps going green, but when it gets really dark, it's hard to notice the, the, the change so much. So I always think that first dip, when you get something out, is pretty mental, man. It's mysterious. And I just that's what I think why it's got such a spirit, like a big spiritual association in lots of cultures where it's been used in the past is because it has this, like, this amazing kind of visual process it goes through. And you see that, and I imagine if you're like... A long time ago, you must have thought, wow, that's like that's pretty kind of godlike. There's, there's something else stuff. more to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like in, in Egypt, in, in, like, in Greek times. Yeah, and, a lot, like, yeah, in a lot of ancient societies, people buried with indigo, and it was like a real kind of important part of culture, which was held in really high esteem. Um, and it's mad because it's quite a weird process for people to be able to work out as well. So basically as well, when you create an indigo, that has to be, to make a deoxidised indigo, that, first of all, indigo is not water-soluble. So what you need to basically, if you've got the powder anyway, you need to make it water soluble. So it needs an alkaline environment. Yeah, an alkaline environment. This is coming hard. Back this is sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. An alkaline is like it's milk. The, so it's the opposite of an acid. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so yeah, lemon yeah, is the acid, the milk is the alkaline. No, no, because yeah. milk's like neutral. So oh, milk is neutral. Al- alkaline That's is why like I got soap. Do. What's that chuck pan I look? One fight club, right? Yeah. Where he's making the soap and oh, burns yeah, yeah, the fuck yeah, out of his yeah. hand. It's not an acid burn, it's like an alkaline burn. Oh, he's yeah, doing yeah. it with some insane, like. Yeah. Like, when he pours so, it under there's like, with the thing. I can never there. remember which way the pH scale works, but as you want yeah, to get it's high. I think it's high, high, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Alkaline, isn't it? And it goes blue, not yeah. red. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you need to make indigo. So, so in order to in order to make indigo water soluble, it needs to be in an alkaline environment. Now it's thought that this might have happened um, from urine or ash. Why, um, why ash? Is ash obviously an alkaline? Yeah, yeah, it's, okay. it's an alkaline. There, ash creates an alkaline kind of solution. But yeah, this is just this is just theories. No one really knows. Like, okay. Um, just yeah. because they might have been round a lot of their times when they were doing it. Um, so yeah, so you need to create an alkaline environment and then also with the alkaline environment you need to ferment the ferment the sort of indigo for a, the process of deoxidization so you can add fructose to do that which is the sugar fruit if you create an alkaline environment with indigo and fructose that creates the right environment for indigo well garments to be dyed with indigo i.e uh, a deoxidized dye bath mad thing it's mind it's blown yeah. it's pretty mad it's pretty I, mad. I genuinely thought especially when i first texted you back because i remember seeing a photo I think you put on Instagram or somewhere, I saw it somewhere, or maybe Chad told me. Yeah. I was like, let me just come around, let me just quickly dash this shirt in. And you're like, 
mate it's so it's long not, like it's back back breaking work as well man really? honestly like if i'm dying because you're not just like you it takes time it's like it's one of those things that it doesn't it doesn't happen quickly like, i've done classes as well and it's like it's really tricky to sort of execute in a class because it's not like there's a lot of times of sitting around sort of not doing anything like it's because you just have to give it time to let it do its thing and you can't rush the process if you rush it you won't get the right results so yeah, it takes it takes a lot. It takes like a long time to set up the vat in the first place, just to get it ready to die, and then you've got to die. And so you're like, depends how many times you want to dip it. Generally, I dip things a minimum of like ten to twelve times. I think the Japanese say you shouldn't dip anything less than twenty five times. But it's a lot of work, and that's like in there for, for kind of. So how long you leave it in there is also obviously up to you and what you do. But kind of you can leave it in there. Sometimes I do half an hour in, half an hour out. Sometimes I've done it for ten minutes in, ten minutes out sort of yeah I've experimented with that really to see how you get the best results generally from leaving it in longer and leaving it out for longer you get the best results and then when you take it out you've got to tend to it as well because if you've got your shirt hanging you've got to remember every part of this shirt needs to be oxidised yeah. if you get parts which are like say your shirt's wet and it like crinkles up like that and that doesn't get access to oxygen and then you dip it again and that happens a couple of times you're going to get an uneven dye because that part hasn't been exposed and let the, had the molecules attaching every time so you need to like yeah, you need to make sure that it's all even. There's a lot of, sometimes you get a lot of brain out of with powder. I think this will happen with paste as well. Um, is that you get sort of bits of powder as well. So you've got to make sure, get them sprayed off because they'll also block oxygen from getting to the fabric. And it's just like, yes, yeah, time. It's, and it's a beautiful process if you've got the time to do it because you have to really sort of get into it and engage with the pieces of clothing you're dying. And yeah, and it's, it takes a whole day, man. I mean, if you're dying one thing, it won't take a whole day. But generally with me, I'm dying like, I never die that much, but. Even if I'm dying like 10 garments, it takes like a whole day to do it properly anyway. And do you do that through, do you do that as part of a collection at BRC or was that just like a bit of a, like a... Hobby? Well, how did I start in, in with this? No, 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 like did you do uh, any indigo pieces for... Oh yeah, oh, it was all for BRC. It was all, 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 yeah, all BRC. Actually, yeah, I mean, because there's a lot of ways you can die of indigo and a lot of the ways that are commonly used within industry or on kind of a smaller scale at home where people have easy access to are quite chemically intense so i just one of the first things i ever got i can't remember how i found out about it actually but anyway i was interested in indigo did a bit of reading on the internet found out did use this like quite chemically intense method and it worked it worked really well but i was just like it was a bit mad because i was just fucking around with these like pretty intense chemicals and i was like this is yeah wasn't really up my street and uh, so I did a bit more research and I sort of already get, sort of knew that it was like this ancient natural way of dying. So surely this isn't the way that you can always do it. And yeah, I learned more and more and more. And then, yeah, just thought it was like kind of a fundamental part of, of my collections. And it's another great thing because a big push for me is kind of environmental sustainability. And natural dyes are great in, in certain ways. They, they're not great in their water consumption. Indigo dyeing's not always great on the way it's done. Like I said, it was that first method is quite chemically intense. That's the more common method within industry. So if you're buying a naturally dyed indigo garment from a lot of kind of people, not everyone, a lot of people, it's gone through those processes as well. Um, oh, wait, yeah, hold on, sorry. Yeah. So you're saying that like, you can buy something that says it's naturally dyed and it's actually gone through the chemical and the... Yeah, it would, have got, it would have gone through, like, I mean, there would have been chemicals involved in the dye bar. Another thing that's worth noting as well is that pretty much most of the indigo used nowadays is synthesised. So it's the exact same... composition. spice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's the exact same composition, but it's, it's synthetically made, which just makes it much cheaper. 
are much easier to access. So in terms of the output and what the product looks like, would... Exactly the same. Everyone would kind of... You yeah. Would like yeah. The, when it washes, yeah. it's the same sort of look and feel. Pretty much, yeah. Like the... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean actually, I would say that if you've got a, a kind of a proper... Using natural indigo that's had a lot of time put into it, it would probably last better. But not there won't be any kind of significant differences. But yeah, it was like it was a sustainability thing, and natural dyes are great. I love natural dyes, but there's a lot of natural dyes where you wash your garment and that's it. Like it's, it's fucked up basically. Mm. It's going to be like all patchy or I don't know. It's, yeah, it's not going to basically look right after you've washed it, and that completely doesn't make sense. It's better to use synthetic dyes and make a garment last longer. So yeah. The great thing about indigo is that it's really colour fast, man. I mean, obviously it does fade over time and it has this kind of, this whole kind of personality it takes on, but it it might fade in colour, but it always keeps its richness. The colour is always vibrant and stays rich. And uh, that was one of the amazing things about indigo is the fact that it sort of, it worked well for the kind of sustainability pillar of, of what I was doing. So yeah, that's sort of why I really pushed it with the collection. And it's just such an interesting, like, it's such an interesting dog. I sort of got, like, immersed in the whole story about it and all these kind of different elements of it. And I still am, to be honest. But yeah, I'm not dying as much at the moment. Just because I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, run out of indigo, like I said. And I'm not, and I'm and doing a lot of work on jewellery now. So it's sort of clothing is taking a back seat. Yeah, when I was in India as well, I got kind of looking at those other dyes as well. And the marigold dye is just mad. I love that. Was there anything else that really caught your eye when you were out there? So that the marigold was was yeah. There's thing, there's that kind of what in in the, in the realms of dyeing, or the, fabrics, or kind of uh, the way in which things were constructed, or how. Yeah, people, I mean, well, it's, it's it's it's. Was there anything there that kind of like really changed your perspective on how clothing as a as a thing is consumed potentially, or because being into kind of like that sort of side of fashion, yeah, like not necessarily responsibility, but there's. That's yeah, I, d- I don't know if it are. changed anything that much because, like, I think I was already sort of clued up. I think it could for some people, but I, I was already knew. We did degree. Yeah, I knew, already knew quite a lot about stuff. But I mean, I guess you've got the whole side of things where it's like the level of engagement with each process and the time and love that goes into each thing is pretty incredible. So, I mean, if you can see that, and or if you can, if you're selling something which does that, and if you can communicate that to your people who are buying it, then. I think it really makes people connect with their clothing a lot more. Like you go and meet these families, they've been like weaving for every there's all families doing different bits as well. So some would do the spinning, some would do the weaving, some would do the dyeing and and uh yeah, it's just it's amazing to go to these places and they're like all their looms are just like these big old wooden looms where they're weaving and they're just really lovely people as well, really kind of they made me feel at home everywhere I went, they're really friendly to me and yeah, like show me through all the kind of old like archivey stuff and family pictures and all that sort of stuff um sounds sick yeah it's, it's an incredible place to go india i remember saying someone said to me before i went like have you been yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, only, only twice though okay. so when i was a kid and then last november and it was as you Man. mentioned like Man. people are so welcoming yeah and it's just such a lovely place to go and see and yeah. people were really lovely to me i can't speak the language so that was another thing yeah. but yeah have you been at all I've been to Sri Lanka a few no, times. So similar. So Sri Lanka is like supposed to be like an because India can be quite stressful at times. Mm-hmm. And apparently Sri Lanka is like a little bit of like a nicer version, a little bit softer. I heard that. Better for us. Better, <laughs> better, for better, for, better for Westerners. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just someone said to me like opens up all your senses, and that's totally true. That's no better way of explaining it. In my where I was anyway. It's just like your your eyes, your ears, your smell, and your taste is all just like. It's amazing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Mad, like, so you yeah. went over there with with your girlfriend. 
I, well, so I actually went there by myself first for the first week. I went mm-hmm. to um, to Gujarat by myself for the first week. Spent a week sourcing out there and going around and seeing different things. And then I I'm fully alone. Fully right. alone, man. How? Yeah, no, no, I wasn't. Well, I mean, I met people when I was there. I met one of the guys I was chatting with, and then. Oh, beforehand, and then you... Yeah, and there wasn't... To be honest, where I was, there wasn't really any tourists. I got... Luckily, I got I got ill at one point, and this old, like, Dutch couple took me under their wing and looked after me. It was quite nice because, yeah, I was kind of bugging out, man. Because I didn't realise when you get when you get food poison over there, it's like a fever, man. I was like... It's the next level. And I was pranging out. I was like, oh, my God, I've got fucking dengue fever or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, because... Like, yeah. I was, like, really, like, really, like, in my room, like, fuck, what am I going to do here? Like... And I said, I even said to the guy who ran my <laughs> to the guy who ran my hotel, I was really like sketching out. I was like, man, I think I've got yellow fever. <laughs> <laughs> and he like went. He got his mate, and his mate came and like checked my eyes. And like apparently, if you like, if you've got it, your eyes go yellow or something. Um, and he was like, like, no, you're cool, man. You just got this. And you know what? No. And then the main guy I was with, I was saying to him, I was like, bro, I really, this really doesn't feel normal. Like, I'm quite worried about myself. And he was like, man, it's the changing weather. And I was like, but <laughs> it might be a few things, but it's definitely not the changing weather. Like, yeah. Was yeah, that your I first felt, time out of Europe? No, I've been, to, I've been to Thailand quite a few times, but I went there for the millennium with my mum when I was younger. My godfather lives out there, so I went back there a few times. So you didn't get, like, the mad culture shock, I remember. No, yeah, I did, man. No, oh, yeah. beyond anywhere. That was the first time I properly felt culture shock. Because when you go to, like, places like Thailand, it's, like, it's amazing because you go there and it's, like, the culture is vastly different from ours, but you connect on a lot of... There's a lot of cultural norms which connect. Like, people are, like, you have... There's sort of manner system, which is the same as ours, and that sort of... Things which don't make you feel... Didn't make me feel uncomfortable, really. When yeah. you go to India... The way things work, the manner system, the way people kind of treat each other, all that is completely different. So it completely puts you out of your comfort zone. And yeah, that was for me, it was a massive culture. And I did actually have a birthday party the night before I flew out. So I was still a bit... <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling a bit temperamental when I got there, to, to say the least. <laughs> basically on a bit of a potential come down, yeah. a hangover, jet lag, and then like just straight everything that was on the on the street corner. So yeah, it was right. it was it was mental, but I and mean that liked. that was part of, part of it, and uh, yeah, it, it was an amazing trip. Yeah, absolutely amazing trip. And I, I would love to go back there one day. Same, but I, I think I'd like to go. So I've only ever been to Punjab, Delhi, and then uh, kind of Agra, so the Golden Triangle. Like, yeah, just Agra's like, supposed to be beautiful. Agra, so like, where was your favourite place? So I really liked Amritsar which is where the Golden Temple is mm-hmm. and going there with my grandparents and like seeing them kind of because they're very religious and spiritual and kind of like they're very much of that kind of generation where they're still all about their culture yeah being obviously born there yeah so going there with them see my grandma kind of like this is her kind of spiritual home it was really lovely to see that yeah. whereas for me I was like this is really cool but yeah. I'm just kind of just going to do what my grandma does but it was really really cool from yeah. a personal level but maybe Going there as a, a total outsider would have been different, but it was yeah, it was, it was uh, mad. But it was, it was that's what kind of made it cool. I like yeah. being out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Cool. So that's that's basically a quick roundup of what you've done with BRC and a bit of kind of Indigo One Hundred and One. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was, that was, that was sick, I have no idea. You have to charge people for this. Induction to Indigo with blue. There's a snappier name in there somewhere, and blue yeah, by name, blue yeah. by nature. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, man. So then what's the deal with the jewellery? So yeah, so jewellery's really like where my 
on a personal kind of side of things, where my focus is at the moment. My girlfriend's a jewellery designer and she's taught me this kind of, the, the basics of this method called lost wax casting, which is like one of the most ancient methods, which basically you make, you create a mould in wax of what you want and then it's kind of cast from that mould. And yeah, she taught me about, well, in 2015 she taught me, I remember because this was like the first thing I made. I was going to say, so are you wearing your pieces now? Yeah, well, not everything. She made me that. That was my nan's wedding ring. I made this is like a little sample. I'm actually not wearing much, much of my stuff at the moment, which is really bad. Normally I'm caked in all my stuff, but basically I've sold it all off my fingers. Okay. <laughs> at the moment. I don't even have any samples with me because they're all like, um, they're all getting hallmarked at the moment. Um, but yeah, so she taught me this method. And since then I was just sort of, it's, it's, re it's not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of like, kind of time to... To refine your skills and I've been refining my skills and over that period like sorting out friends and yeah and it's just snowballed massively and like the feedback over the past year anyway at least the feedback which I've been getting from from friends from friends of friends from random people who have seen it on friends it's just been insane like it's been I feel really blessed to be in a situation I'm in and it's just been amazing and everyone's just like you've got to do this man you've got to do this and and for me as well I just I've always loved jewelry always but like don't know it just didn't seem so accessible and then from learning this and doing research and stuff it's yeah it's all come into place and um it's another thing which resonates with sustainability as well because like a bit of jewelry lasts you forever man like yeah. i've got bits, i've got loads of bits of jewelry i've got from from my nan and stuff like that and it's like if you make a good quality piece of jewelry that's lasting forever the environmental impact of that is is kind of relatively low over the over the time and uh yeah it's just it's precious isn't it i love it i yeah, I'm learning a lot and it's been very well received and it just feels good, man. And in terms of where you make it, is this, again, like next to your indigo vat? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, mate, that flat's, that flat's got some... some <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you've got yeah, like no, blocks, you know of, blocks of nah, gold nah, and like nah. silver. Well, I, you know what? I, like an iron ore next to yeah. some like Visvim-esque yeah, vat of good shit. I don't know. Like, exactly, yeah, so it's all bubbling, man. It's all bubbling. I do it all in my flat. The casting... Is not I don't make I don't cast in my flat. Um, I don't know how to cast. It's a it's a skill, a quite a um, refined skill in itself. So I work with a casting house in North London, who cast everything for me. And then yeah, but I make the basically the longest part is it being able to make that mold. And yeah, so that that's sort of what I do and have the ideas of what you want to kind of create. And, Sort cool. Of what, sort of, what sort of materials are you working with in, in your jewelry? So it's all. So everything I make is all handmade in London from start to finish. Um, I only use recycled metals. Predominantly, I'm using silver and brass. I've got a few gold pieces coming soon, but gold is just it's so expensive. Like if we just did a kind of normal ring, you're looking at at least like kind of seven hundred quid, like at least. So it's, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a big investment for gold. No, not not for, for, uh, to at retail. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. yeah <laughs> not of course, yeah. So yeah, so working with those sort of metals at the moment, starting to work with stones. This is a ring I'm developing at the moment, but this is like still a, still a prototype, just sort of making, making a bit of a mad signet with loads of like weirdly placed stones. Um, Looks sick. But yeah, I've um, this was like the last one I did, and there's one coming up. Well, my next one I'll be picking up soon, and I think that's going to be like I think I've done about seven different kind of pieces, which have all been kind of like me changing changing little bits and but basically something's been going wrong it's just been like yeah um, kind of trial and error and it's yeah now i'm pretty sure i'm at the final stage of it now so it should be going well and i mean yeah look i've been doing it for like a few months now i've got i'm stocked already in a really cool shop in shoreditch okay. called um that's just opened you should check out if you're in shoreditch called bankrupt it's just 
it's across the road from Electric Cinema, just off Red Church Street. And, and they've done an excellent job with that shop. It's really, really cool. And, yeah, should be in there next week. Yeah, there's a few things that I'm not really... I don't really want to talk about yet that are bubbling under... <laughs> yeah, pretty significant things which are sort of bubbling underneath the... And you're talking about, like, surface. can we get, like, a general ballpark? So you're talking about product releases for you or, like, important yeah, st- co-signs? Yeah, stockists and collaborations. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah. And then, but then for your first, like, for the... Are you working in, sort of cool I've got this ring this one's ready I'm just going to release it or are you like this is a collection of no it's not it's not it's not at the moment it's not collection based it's just it's sort of product based that's just sort of how I'm easing into it and it's all made to order as well so I'm not holding lots of stock which is kind of another good thing I'm not trying to avoid waste in lots of ways but I think as it develops I'm into the I get into things you know I mean like with the indigo I get in I'm interested in certain things and there's lots of kind of cultural history on my side of the family or or just things I'm interested in, but I would just like to go and explore more. And if I can sort of appropriate that into jewellery, then that would be something interesting as well. But generally speaking, I just, I take, I get a lot, I love sunny, kind of sunny skies and beaches. And that, that's where I'm in my element. I mean, in the winter, I've just been depressed, man. Like, I don't, do not like it at I all. Think it, I think it's in our blood. Yeah, exactly. We're, tropi- we're tropical, up, tropical like, creatures, like, man. I need it. Like, good. I get depressed if it's not, not sunny. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happiest when I'm, the sunshine by a beach and uh, so that's sort of where I got a lot of my inspiration from man just the sort of culture and events that surround being outside with friends in the sunshine and the beautiful places you go in the sunshine and yeah just what you kind of get up to and and, and that kind of thing so that's sort of just I'm, at the moment I'm just sort of designing around that but yeah I mean I would like to uh, potentially in the future I'll start doing collections as well but so yeah aside, aside really from cool, aside from kind of like the outdoors and like beautiful weather and having fun with friends and family and stuff. What sort of brands would you say? Not necessarily taking inspiration from, but what what brands are you fucking with heavily? What are you like? That's sick. Like in regards to what fashion or jewelry or everything. Anything and everything. They could be mm-hmm. like anything from milk or chocolate to like the latest Air Max two seventies to pattern. Yeah, you're like doing what they're doing. Like if you're gonna do, you know, that B magazine and it's like just all on one brand. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen Brand, that. Brand, that brand balance, cool, brand it's balance. It's really good. Yeah. You like it, but like, yeah, yeah. But like, what what are you into? So I mean, you actually hit the nail on the head with my favorite. My favorite company in the world is Patagonia. They are simply the fucking coolest company ever, man. Like for me as well, they're like a company who are completely invested in environmentalism. They make amazing products, and yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to. To kind of summarise it all in one, but if you've, if, have you two, either of you two read Let My People Go Surfing? No, but I've been yes. meaning to. Yeah, 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 man, that's the best book ever. And it's basically, Yvonne Chouinard, the owner of Patagonia, wrote that as a handbook for his employees. So it explores the history of the company and how they approach different kind of functions of the business, i.e. your marketing, your design, your your PR, your operation, all that stuff. And it's just it's just like the ideal business model. They've just got it on point. And I, I really respect that they're, their whole business is like is completely focused on environmentalism, and if if there's if there was a sort of if they had a situation where it was like the environment or growth, I genuinely believe they'd go for the environment, which is a great thing to be doing. They give yeah. um one percent of their sales and not their profit. Uh, yeah, no, it's 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 either one percent one one percent of. One percent of revenue or ten percent of profit, whichever's largest, goes to um, environmental causes. 
but you know what they give so much more than that yeah. as well because that's like a little set amount that goes out but other than that they do they work on so many campaigns they've just i they, they've just really like worked on a new video which explores the the endangerment of europeans last wild rivers i can't remember what it's called for life of me but i bought tickets to go and see the, the fucking preview the other night my girlfriend bought me tickets for christmas to go and see kamasi washington so i had to go and see Kamasi Washington, which was amazing itself, but I gave it to my I gave the tickets to my housemate and he went and said it was amazing. Um but yeah, they do loads of stuff like that. They did like they do quite a few other films, Damnation, which is about dams in America yeah. and stuff. But yeah, they're amazing and uh, that's part of one percent for the planet, which is like a organization any business can sign up to, which is basically giving one percent of your revenue. And they they started one percent for the planet as well yeah they're currently suing the Trump administration as well aren't they oh they, I haven't heard about that oh they? yeah, yeah. So they're suing the Trump administration oh, was it for the about natural parks yeah yeah, no, yeah, 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 like yeah. I was reading yeah. about it just like just earlier so that's absolutely like, so much respect for them because they're just like fuck you they're literally just like yeah we're, we're suing your president no, yeah. your, your president is it's, I don't know it's like it, a really big banner it's like we're it's suing the president or something and he's yeah. stealing to you and lying to you that's it yeah. the president yeah. is lying to you yeah. we're going to sue him it's like okay, cool. That's great, and they yeah, they're uh, they've started a lot of things as well in, in the fashion industry. One of the main kind of bodies for sustainability in the fashion industry for sustainability because it's quite a scientific thing. It means it requires a lot of research, and research means money. And obviously, not everyone has money. So, in order to have effective kind of solutions within the industry, there needs to be an element of collaboration, well, quite a higher degree of collaboration. They started the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, which is kind of the biggest collaborative body within there, which has got kind of all the big guys signed up. You kind of Zara's and H&M's. And they actually started it with Walmart, which is a pretty mad, like... Yeah. They were like, we need to work with someone who's going to be able to like get everyone in. And yeah, so they started it with Walmart. And yeah, now it's one of the kind of the biggest bodies. And what are your thoughts yeah. on kind of other brands like Nike or Adidas getting <coughs> involved in this kind of green... Yeah, and like... Yeah, it's, it's interesting... Yeah, what are you going to say? Yes. And like, I guess like you've got Nike and Adidas doing it in a very big like sports kind of way, but then you get other brands like, not so overtly, but Story MFG and then Noah in a very overt kind of way, both. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, th- I had this conversation the other day with someone, and they were like, I'm not buying any Nike trainers because the history of what Nike have gone through. And I was like, okay, I see where you're coming from, but at the same time, Nike and Adidas are two of the biggest investors in research and development when it comes to sustainability. The Sustainable Apparel Coalition has a thing called the MSI, which is the Material Sustainability Index, which is basically a tool anyone can go and use, completely free, anyone can go and use and assess the kind of environmental impact of using different options. And Nike gave them gave all that information. That was all Nike's own kind of information. They gave that into the index, which I think is a great move. They've done things like the Flyknit Trainer, reduced wastage in the footwear industry humongously. It had an astonishing effect on the kind of environmental impact of the footwear industry. So yeah, I mean, maybe in the... And there's still like there's still questions about... A lot of people... There's two ways of looking at this coin as well. I'm not that I don't care for the, the social side of things. I'm very in, into the, invested in the social side of things. And that is very, very important as well. Because I come from a more environmental background. A lot of the work I do is more environmentally focused rather than socially focused. Um, now, obviously, the social side is equally as important as well. That's just but my knowledge a lot of the time is, is around the environmental side and I think with these guys like Nike maybe not so much Adidas I think there's still an element of that kind of whole people are unsure where it's being produced and, and all that's kind of supply chain issues that side of things that people are still a bit unsure of but in regards to in the environmental side of things 
um, I'm gonna like they're I think they're great. They put a lot of money into it, and um, yeah, whether that's from consumer pressure or from their own kind of moral convictions, who knows? But yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, and and yeah, you, they're progressing the industry as a whole, which is great. And and guess from by doing that, they're actually developing humankind as well and our sort of ability to remain on this planet. But another thing which is key to be noticed: the power of like privately owned businesses like Patagonia the reason they can do what they do is because it's privately owned and with businesses like kind of Nike and Adidas they're, like, they're still doing great things and stuff but it's trickier for them to any public companies to be able to do stuff it's kind of on the back burner isn't it because they're going to have yeah. to make Q1 figures based exactly. on what yeah. we're in America, forecasting this America. is mad I, only, I found this out like I thought, when I found this out I thought it was absolutely mental in America your shareholders can sue you if you're not profit maximising so if you're pursuing other goals head of profit maximization they can see which that's why b corporations been set up basically so that they, you can be a b corporation your shell yeah. can't can't see you. but look at ikea as well great company doing amazing things and and they're also a privately owned privately owned company well, i would have thought that ikea would actually be terribly unsustainable so what are they doing they've created their packaging recently they've got rid of polystyrene packaging started using kind of mushroom packaging they're Sorry, all, mushroom is actually made from fungus. Similar like fungus, fungus-based oh, wow, packaging. Okay, They're doing loads of work with forestry. Like big, I was reading a lot about it the other day actually, and just really kind of focused because obviously they use a lot of wood. Yeah. So they had a big focus on forestry. They've got they've released this whole plan recently. I can't remember exactly what I think it's like plan for the planet or something. And they're just doing a lot of extraordinary things in there. And another thing which I thought they were doing which was really cool was starting to move towards like a a closed loop business model so really encouraging people to fix their things and like having repair stations at, at kind of their locations and things like that which which I thought was quite quite cool yeah and Patagonia in the same way that kind yeah, of yeah man yeah closed loop yeah. like repair yeah. stuff if you've yeah they're wicked like yeah they'll and repair it's something, something that you're trying to introduce at Ollie, Oliver Spencer or we've been doing repairs and alterations and all that thing since we started Oliver Spencer so that's always been sort of kind of a part of our our business model there without even trying to be kind of environmentally friendly just trying to make things last we love it when things last and I yeah. think people appreciate when things last we make garments that are made to last so being able to kind of if something kind of if you get it caught on a bit of fence and it rips your fabric or you drop something down your down it and we can kind of help out in some way then, yeah then we've done so yeah repairs is always always something we've pushed quite heavily and always something done. and yeah alterations are a great thing as well because if you like get if you grow out of something or it gets too tight it gets too loose like yeah and we can repair that or it's too long you want to change it whatever and then then it makes the garment just a kind of life longer so yeah, yeah. So, but then okay so to come back to brands you were fucking with in patagonia yeah how, what's the sickest patagonia piece you own i've got Alright, I've got quite a few bits. Uh, <laughs> so my favourite... I've got the tea snap that I want. Yeah. That's it. Is it tea snap with the poppers here? Snap tea. Tea not yeah, tea. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm not packing I don't have that. No? No. I saw you've got like a hoodie that's like down filled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a zip one though. Oh, a zip one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay, okay. I've got a... That's probably my favourite. I've got this big orange Patagonia puffer. I fucking love man. <laughs> I fucking wear that shit all the time, man. But I ripped this. I ripped the sleeve, and I actually was in Manchester the other day, and um, first Patagonia shop in England in Manchester, and went went there, and I was just chatted. I wanted to go see the shop anyway, and chat to the guys. Where is it in Manchester? Um, just like down by the posh shops. Oh, okay. okay. Not, not even normal. I forget what that area is called. Yeah, I never, I'm, I'm, crap, I'm crap with road names. Where as you well. say? Where, posh, yeah, where the posh exactly shop? Yeah. Yeah, 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 the other yeah, side yeah. of Arndale to the yeah, Northern yeah. Quarter. 
oh yeah they were the guys in there were lovely anyway like as you as you would expect but they were just like yeah send it to us for free like we'll do everything free so i haven't still done i still haven't done that but i'm, I'm going to do that soon while it's summer anyway while i'm not wearing it yeah. because when it's winter that's on me all the time and I've, yeah that's my favorite piece and i've worn worn that to death man like it's really like but i love it too much to let it go and <laughs> but i've got quite a few pieces i've got like yeah got another kind of nano puff jacket which is good for in between seasons that's the new stuff, isn't it? Like it's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Banging. Yeah, yeah. It's good, man. But it's it's good for like in between, like when it's really cold, it doesn't quite cut it. It's good. It's good layering piece as well because it's really thin. Okay. So it's like easy to kind of put under enough yeah. underneath stuff. A couple of gilets, a couple of fleeces, tees, and yeah, and I'm a bit of. Fuck if I if I need anything that they sell, man, I buy it. Do you know what I mean, from them, like because I know they're like what they do is amazing, and I can trust that I buy a product which has kind of got a solid foundation yeah. supporting it. And there's a lot of cool stuff on eBay, man. I'm a sucker for eBay. Oh, so mate. you're talking yeah. to yeah, yeah, send the e-word gets us in a cold sweat. And yeah, other brands who are about who are, what I think are doing cool stuff. I mean, you mentioned Story earlier. Story, I think, are doing really cool stuff. Trying lots of new different things and experimenting with what they're doing. And they did. They're they're obviously into similar things that I'm into as well. Um, so yeah, I think they're really, really doing some interesting stuff. Um, I, we're doing some really interesting stuff for Oliver Spencer, which is going really well. I love Oliver Spencer clothing. I love wearing it. I luckily get to get quite a few bits from there, so it's a, it's a privilege to be able to wear it on a, on a day-to-day basis. But yeah. We're going to check the discount and the podcast sponsorship later. But yeah. <laughs> off off mic. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, with Oliver Spencer at the moment as well, we're, we're sort of really trying to focus on our organic cottons. Well, it was basically, it was, we're a product-based business, so we needed to look at kind of where our biggest impact occurs. And uh, yeah, it's obviously for our products, so we're looking at kind of the parts, the pressure points of those which really kind of have the significant impacts. And obviously the fabric was the kind of the key one um, for us. So we're really looking at kind of low-impact fabrics and, and resources that go into those fabrics. So yeah, I mean, we're really focusing on organic cotton at the moment. We're at about 10% now. And yeah, we're continually improving and the you call it the old trajectory the trajectory is yeah, quite steep man and we're going we're doing a lot of good stuff we've got some really in- interesting like there's so much innovation in the world of fabrics and sustainability at the moment that's where like the, the kind of the really interesting mad stuff's happening and we've got like some cool fabrics coming through next winter one of them is like this mad undyed wool which is just like different colours with different sheep and it's all so made together like in a way which looks really 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 cool so do you get to um, go to the, the factories or do you kind of you kind of like yeah I've been to mills before and but and as time progresses I will go more as well but yeah the, but the girls in design go to the factories all okay. the time and stuff yeah. Um, and yeah we're looking at other linens a great one as well so, I mean most of our linens from like literally say 90% of our linens from European sources it's all woven in Europe as well um, and it requires no irrigation GMO free basically uses no chemicals lasts for a long time and yeah it's just that's a great fabric hemp is another one that we're looking at using as well and yeah there's a lot of cool things going on we've reduced our packaging by like 30 percent we're hoping to be plastic free by the end of next year all of our locations are powered by renewable energy now um and yeah there's quite a few little things bubbling under the bubbling under the surface as well which we're focusing so yeah i'm lucky that i work for a brand that i love and i love the clothes as well so yeah ollie spencer Patagonia story, cool. Who else? Are there any jewelry guys? Yeah, you know what? It's jewelry's an interesting one because um, well, men's jewelry anyway. 
there's not really many people out there doing it at the moment. So there's not, which is cool as well because it's like you, you really kind of create your own path. There's a, a women's designer called Polly Wells. She's pretty cool. I'm really into her stuff, but it's all really, it's quite feminine. And yeah, I, I was inspired by a lot of the work she does. She basically like lets stones kind of move around the wax mold as it's as it's kind of cast and I've been trying to do something taking inspiration from her but doing it in a in a in a kind of manly way for seeing it so that's that's sort of bubbling at the moment and we'll see what that looks like. You've seen a little preview of so, this. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah. And I mean I mean yeah I guess the biggest inspiration for me with jewellery when it comes to anything is like sort of my grandparents or like vintage jewellery shops. Because that's where the cool stuff is man. Yeah, you yeah. go like go. same with kind of like menswear and maybe like how some people look at style as well like you mm -hmm. look at your grandparents yeah and the way they put things together there's all these sort of like instagram accounts now about like hipster chinese grandparents and, and cool like, old people yeah stuff. cool old people and it's true like the way they put things together and the colors they put and they use it's like actually that's really fucking yeah. cool and the same with jewelry i'd imagine because i'm not that uh, big on jewelry but yeah. like seeing vintage pieces on people you're like that's actually really fucking cool cool so um aside from that i think do you want to take it from the top with... Oh, actually, I have one question first. So, yeah. So when you're talking about, like, sustainability... Mm -hmm. Very ambiguous term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. When you're talking about that, you're talking about... Could you, like, give us a definition? Like, as if you were explaining... Yeah, okay, yeah. If yeah, I mean, environmental sustainability is making things in your current kind of method of production or current situation... That allow future generations to also do the same. That's your general kind of definition of sustainability. Like I said, it's a completely ambiguous term and it's completely different in, in whatever industry you're in. There's different ways of kind of managing your environmental footprint. Um, but yeah, but I guess when I talk about sustainability, it's about environmental sustainability. So reducing your environmental footprint in the best way possible. Pressure points of the fashion industry, water usage, carbon footprint, chemical pollution waste so yeah it's just managing in the fashion industry it's, it's about kind of managing those things and making sure that the resources you use i.e cotton or linen is is growing in a way which is that that kind of caters for the biological kind of environment it's in and the ecosystems that surround it and another big one with the the growing is the, the people that grow it that's a massive that's why organic cotton is so important the chemicals that go into growing cotton are nasty man really nasty and they use a lot of them, like a really like a significant proportion of pesticides and insecticides which are used in the world of agriculture. That I think cotton is the biggest user of those. Basically, there's some figures floating around, but I'm not sure if they're still exactly the same. It was like cotton accounts for like two percent of world agriculture, but uses thirty percent of insecticides and pesticides. I'm not sure how accurate these figures still are, but it's you get the picture yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. When you're in countries like India, people are just walking around the fields spraying these chemicals on without any sort. Yeah, of... man, like it's mad. It's really mad, and it's yeah. Cancer rates where in cotton growing is through the roof and deformities, it's horrendously bad for human health. So yeah, the growing side of things, that's that's and the environmental impact on of that as well is significant. You've got soil health which is damaged, topsoil, we're losing topsoil yeah, at an intense rate globally, and we need topsoil to grow everything we eat. Well not everything, but most things we eat. And also it releases a lot of nitrates into the into the um, atmosphere as well, which are quite a harmful greenhouse gas. So yeah, you've got the environmental side of growing, um, the water usage in cotton and in dying, in growing cotton and dying, 
they both use a lot of water. Even organic cotton uses quite a lot of water. However, it, it does use less in a, in a few ways. A lot of the time it's kind of naturally irrigated, so it's rainwater fed. Um, and a healthy soil also helps retain water as well, so you have to kind of water it less. Uh, but it's organic, even organic cotton still uses a lot of water. Something that's great doesn't use that much water is like something like linen. And then, yeah, the, the, I mean, the real kind of water usage occurs in the dyeing process. Man. That's like really where it's kind of trying to manage that in a way which doesn't use so much water. And, and then is there like, obviously you got into a uni and you sound like the kind of guy who's like down to research something really extensively and yeah. work out how you can apply it in your own life. But say like, is there like a six sustainability Instagram account? Is there that kind of level of ease into it? Or is it like mm. you got to get... I, just you get know what, they're probably, I don't, yeah, I, I mean, I don't follow them. There probably is. Fashion revolution is about, it's less about environmental sustainability, more about supply chains and transparency. Yeah. Um, but they do touch on environmental sustainability quite a lot. There's a podcast as well called Conscious Chatter with a girl called Kestrel Jenkins. What a sick fucking millennial name. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Kestrel Jenkins. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, um, the main thing when it comes down to sustainability, I can tell you the trick, the trick of it. Buy less and buy well and make it last. That's it. Like, you probably yeah. hear that thrown around loads because it's the most important thing. Like buy, and like buy second hand when you got the best thing. If you buy something on eBay, you should both know this. You buy something on eBay. No one. Well, a couple of people might have that, but not many people yeah. have got that. Yeah. And you're gonna love it. Like put money into. It. If you buy something, I can guarantee. If you go and buy a high quality garment, you pay maybe three or four times the price you would pay for something else. You'll love that garment so much more and have such a bigger connection to it and you'll make it last. And when it's when you're finished with it, you can sell it on eBay and buy something yeah. else. Yeah, so that's that's sort of the, the trick and if you're interested, I mean there's there's lots of stuff to do. Try and buy organic cotton if you can, buy linen, recycled walls, organic walls. Alright, should we go from the top? Yeah. What's this? So, no, 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 so basically this is the awkward bit. <laughs> we, we, we we dived into it, we weren't really serious. And we're, we're serious when we need to be, but yeah. we like to troll quite a bit. So there's a few questions that are a bit, uh, they're basically the absolute opposite of what we've already been talking about. All right, cool. Yeah. And we think is we've got these questions and they're meant to be in some sort of order, but they're not because obviously a conversation just yeah, happens just as it is. Yeah. So the first one is, what's your personal brand? Like you as a person, not as your like, yeah. like creative the- output necessarily, but... What's my what's, pers- what's the what, what about me, my personality? Yeah. What is what is like, bro- what is brand blue Burnham? And I'm not talking about the jewelry brand. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about you. No, as a I like. Uh, I mean, I guess the things that make me ha- most happy: is spending time with my friends and family. Um, Such a wholesome, nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so no, but, yeah, I love being. I love spending time with my friends and family. I love eating good food. I love being in the sunshine. I like being by water. And just generally having a good time. <laughs> yeah, so I'm always up for a laugh and having a bit of fun. What's um, the nicest thing you ate most recently? I love Italian food, yeah. If you live in London, you have to go to this restaurant. It's fucking so good, man. I would say it's the best restaurant in London. Um, oh, that's big. That's, yeah. that's a pretty yeah, big I mean, statement. For me, anyway, I, yeah, the best Italian, sorry, the best Italian restaurant in London, Ciao Bella on Lambs Conduit Street. You heard about it? I know that's next to where your office is, but yeah, I don't yeah. know. You no. heard of Ciao Bella? I've been down Lambs Conduit Street, but no, man. Yeah. So Ciao Bella is a sort of place, yeah, you have to book a week in advance to go there, but it's not like an expensive, like, like Ponzi place. Okay. It's, like, it's not pretentious at all. It's authentic Italian food. The people in there are good. The atmosphere is good. The food is absolutely delicious. Um, 
Sounds I couldn't yeah, recommend it enough. Chow Bella is is the place, and I've I've uh, you know I tried to go first three times. I tried to go to Chow Bella every time. I tried to book, and it was always fully booked. And it was really annoying. Um, but I've been a few times recently, and that's been the kind of tastiest food. I've eaten recently. I'm going to Sicily in June, oh, and uh, I've been doing a lot of research into the food out there and good places to eat and stuff. So drinking San Pellegrino's on the beach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's good. It's going to be. A good... Do you watch Chef's Table? Nah, no. Nah, you I watch keep... it? It's one of those nah. ones on Netflix. You know those ones where you're like looking at that. Like, that nah. looks sick, but I'm gonna finish watching. You know what? I did watch. It. I watched it with Matt when we were watching. Yeah. We were watching uh, Bike Race. Shout out, Matt. Shout out, Matt. And we he did watch Chef's Table, and it's it's all about really good cooking. Like it's about chefs and they yeah and, and they, how they do it yeah. and the chef and their story, and it's just I haven't watched that many, but it's fucking amazing. I watched there's, if there's one you've got to watch out. Yeah, I can't remember the woman's name, but she's a Buddhist monk, and she lives in the mountains in Korea, and her like day like her day to day is basically cooking for the temple, and she is just the coolest woman. You know? Like she even dresses cool. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like making <laughs> the maddest food like fermenting loads of food and just like living this completely zen life and just yeah you've got to watch it I can't remember her name but it's like the sounds mad yeah. yeah so yeah oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah but if best food I've eaten recently was probably dinner at Chow Bella and uh, dinner and pudding you've got to have pudding when you're there <laughs> 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 oh, man, that's yeah, oh, yeah yeah that's uh, what was the pudding you know what I've tried a few ones there Lemon sorbet is unreal, and but I always have the tiramisu. They've got, you know what? The other day, yeah, we uh we were at work a bit late and we'd had a few drinks and we went down to the pub and on the way down to the pub I was like I'm fucking hungry I need but I just wanted pudding I didn't want any dinner so <laughs> I just didn't even say anything to anyone I was just like I'm gonna they've got really nice tables and chair outside and I just went outside and I was like ordering myself a tiramisu by myself. <laughs> Yeah, and then I came in the pub and I was like, oh, where, where have you been, man? I was just like, I told, them, to, told them, they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, and so the second troll life question is, how would you meme yourself if you were like... Yeah, a, but you can't do that because there's so many different situations. If you're a Blue Burner starter pack... Poundland Bandit. Poundland Pound Bandit. Pound Bandit. Bandit. All right, the starter packs, yeah? Yeah. What would I have in my starter pack? Yeah, you've, you've, only, you've only got yeah. four things. Four things, and oh, that's a good question. In my four things, you'd have... Oh, it's a big one to spring on me, man. You'd have, like, a load of jewellery on. You'd have a nice big plate of Italian pasta with seafood. Now we're talking about it. <laughs> Some sunglasses for the sun and a bunch of friends and family and a barbecue. That'd be the... That'd, and Oh, no, sorry. Look, you, I've missed a few. You'd have my bike as well. Always, always got my bike. I can't actually wait to make the starter pack because I already know what it is in my head, but I have to make it. Are you gonna make it? Yeah. Is this gonna happen? Is this gonna be the this is gonna be the logo to the? <laughs> there's, there's the one that you've made, and then I think I'm gonna make one for you. I've got yeah. it in my head. Yeah. And you're just gonna be like indigo. <laughs> it's gonna be trolled. Indigo, yeah. but yeah. It'll be sick though. My family will take the piss out of me if we're the indigo. <laughs> sick guy. Where can where can people follow you? What what's what what's what's the next? So yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm on Instagram under my name Blue Burnham Blue spelled B L E U E. And then Burnham, B-U-R-N-H-A-M. That's sort of the best port of call to, to follow me. Yeah, and I sort of release anything. I talk about anything I'm doing on there. I try to talk about anything I'm doing. If you're interested in the clothes side of things, BRC Life on Instagram as well. And is that what, at, at BRC Life? Yeah, that's the Instagram's BRC Life. It's also a website, www.brclife.com. Go and check out. They've got some jewelry. I've got some of my jewelry pieces on there as well. Um, and so, yeah, a few little 
few little kind of bits and bobs from spring summer 18 you can go and have a look for it if you want to so yeah it's all on there nice nice one nice one right. thanks Perfect. guys yeah. Yeah, yeah enjoyed it big up we got you. We got you. Yeah, first of all. Yeah, yeah, first of all. That's like it, like it were enough to die. Alright. I'm fucking. I'm just recording again. Is it going to record? Is that recording over, is it? Uh, is the count the same? Please have a look. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a couple of their jackets. Yeah, you just press this one. and then. Press I just the press that's all I press. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. I press is that. This is that blue one. Oh, you've got their bomber. I yeah. thought I kind of like how right. it makes so sick. Look at this, all this. Hand. All done by hand. Yeah, so you've got the. I don't wear it enough. Actually. You've got the indigo dyed cord. Mm. That's all hand woven as well. I don't have. Yeah. I never seen this in real life. I'm never sure how they managed to get hand woven cord. So it's all like. Where's, where's it? It's so finely made. done. I think they did it. Um, like and then yeah, hand embroidered. That's so fucking cool. India, India, India. How much did it? That was. Um, 200 odd, but I didn't favour with them for a shoot, so they Very nice, what did you do? Um, I modelled in one of their shoots. Oh, sweet. Um, which was quite you didn't scrub model? Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in your bio. All of the pictures were shit, but... Such a cool jacket. That is banging. They're, mm. they're so lovely. That's it. Um, I quite use their jackets, actually, and honestly, they just wear so nicely. Because it kind of, so... like, you kind of yeah, wear I it get, I need to get some stuff from them. Got, like, another hand-woven one, yeah. which just kind of, like... It's a lot lighter than when I first bought it. Is it the denim style jacket? Yeah. Have you got that one here as well? Yeah. Story Story MFG. Bag for manufacturing garments. Story MFG. Literally. They're cool, man. Check them out. They're really yeah. cool. They're like yeah. they just they, they do something very similar to like what I'm what I'm into as well. So it's sort of like Yeah. Where, where are these trousers from? These are Spenny, bro. Do you listen to the Care Tags podcast? Shit. No. Oh, okay. yeah, so shout out Care Tags, yeah. Shittest audio quality of any podcast I've yeah. ever listened Probably to. Probably worse than ours. Is it worse than ours? Way worse. It's like this that's forum, like, and it's just nice really thing. sick. <laughs> like, they get this all these really one. interesting people on it, but they're all like, like recording yeah. Skype calls from their like, <laughs> HP or Dell laptops. It's <laughs> like, like bro, come on. It's like... Lightens yeah. with age, it's just so nice. We're gonna take pictures of. Get mum. Need to wear mum. We'll talk about them right as well. <laughs> we'll talk about them. We'll take photos. Okay. We'll do all yeah, of the above. Right. What shoot did you do with them? One down. What shoot did you do? With them? Um, oh, it was the. It was like a fermented shoot. Um, so they oh, had the all the yeah, 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 yeah. So it was the stock photos one. Oh, nice. Um, which was really fun. Um, it was a good day. Um, they're both lovely guys. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. So well, like, clued up. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, he, he knows his shit. Nice guy as well. Yeah. So well dressed as well, constantly. Yeah. Um, but no, he's a good one. He's a good one. Yeah, go for that, mate. I brought, not only did I brought a favourite garment and a favourite piece of jewellery. Oh, sick. I have, I have a camera. Mm -hmm. Right, Blake, talk us through your, uh, your favourite garment. Yeah, we're going to talk you through on here. Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, this jacket is actually Stone Island. Don't know where it's from. I worked it out at one point from the, the labels and that, but I think it's like the nineties at some point. And it's just, but I've had this jacket for like five years now. I fucking love it. it. Just the way it fits me, and it's reversible. You can like wear it the other way around, and it just. I wear this jacket all the time, man. But since, since so this isn't Stone Island. Because oh, I was, so, I yeah, was yeah. wondering. So, so it, patches so on it the... was just, it was plain, plain navy when I got it. And I've got some holes in it and stuff like that, and I've just started patching it up with, with different indigo kind of pieces of fabric that I've acquired over my time. 
and I will continue to patch this jacket up so until sick. it's completely covered in indigo patches everywhere, man. And yeah, so this is like probably my most loved garment that I have. I've had it for a long time. It's pretty, That's pretty sick. lovely. That's and if so I'm feeling nice. a bit rowdy, then I'll put the stone on and mad. If I'm going to the football, but no, the jacket must just leave it off. Okay, so that's just one. Sick. I'm well happy. Then this is like my favourite ring. It was my nan's, and it's just this like mad big opulent piece that of jewelry. Is, yeah, that's which like is just mental. Almost costume, right? Yeah. Like, but like, it's like just, you could be. This could feel be like the, Henry VIII when I wear that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah you've got like yeah. some like this big big stone here could flip up and it could be some poison powder. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that's this is like my. I haven't actually had this look in that long. My mum went for dinner with my mum in Chabella and uh, she was like, yeah, I've got this load of jewellery, do you want any? I saw this and I was like, 100% want that and it's just, yeah, such a beautiful piece of jewellery. And it's just like, it's, it? uh, not really, um, it, was just, it was my nan, it was my mum's mum who I've never met, so it's quite nice to be able to kind of have these yeah. things. Um, and it's just such a special piece, it's like, I don't wear that all the time, like, but I'll wear mm. that on like, special occasions. And yeah, I fucking love it, man. And it's quite like, I mean, a lot of the time, I hate the whole thing with like, gemstones are considered girly in jewellery. It's like, gems, rings with gems in are always like girly rings and it's like, there's such a like, kind of girly connotations to them and it's like, why? Like, why is that the case? It's just, like, if you go it's just all in your, it's all in your head. And I don't like that. That's why I want to start bringing more gemstones into men's jewellery as well. Like. And after this as well, this is actually quite a good one because I actually feel it does kind of look a little bit manly on the kind of board of like gemstone rings. Like I've got I've, I've got another one that was my nan's, which is like a, my other nan's, which is like a long one like that. And that looks way more feminine, but still it shouldn't it shouldn't do. Um, but I just think this is fucking cool because it's like big old big old in your face gem. Five oh two radio. Ah, lovely. Thanks very much, Blue. That was really kind of you to take some time out and talk to us about your your brand stuff that you've been working on and your work at Oliver Spencer. Um, Seth, I've got a question for you. Yeah, what's that? It's not a question actually. It's a statement. Okay. My culture is not your fashion. What do you mean? Have you seen what Vettel wants to do? Well, see, Vettel wants to do lots of different things, aren't they? Well, not doing different that many different. Well, they're just trolling life as usual, and this time they've decided to take on Oakley Performance sports glasses that are generally meant for cycling, and put like studs on the bottom. Have you seen that? There was there was yes. a thing on. Yeah, yeah. It was dazed. Um, I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. Cycling glasses should just not be on the catwalk, in my opinion. Not what the hell's going on? I give up. Who was the wrestler that used to wear them? Uh, his name was Randy Savage. Yeah, I thought he was pretty cool. And was it? Is there like a pair of tennis glasses that are similar? Did Andre Agassi used to wear like a similar kind of shape? Don't know, but football reference for you, believe it or not. What really? Edgar Davids used to wear them. That's true, but he had a problem with his sight, where he the, his ones were like tinted. And it corrected his vision. Okay. And he used to like because it was like they were red. 
sort of orangey. Oh, I thought they were a fashion thing. No, man, he had to wear it's like a medical thing. They were pretty sick, and then obviously Nike did Nike did those, and then Nike did the stuff for Lance Armstrong when when drugs weren't a thing in the Tour de France. Now apparently they are. Apparently. Mm. Wow. Could you see yourself wearing a pair of Oakleys bowling around East London in a single speed? In a cat on uh, like. What's the scenario? Am I... No, you're just wearing what you normally wear, but are you going to be drawing for a oh, pair of no. performance glasses? No, no, no. Definitely not. The closest, just like... think, the closest I ever got to that, I think, was... Um, would be, I'd get those fold-up personal ones, I think that's it. Oh, well, that's not... That's not that's performance. That's the same, same, is it? No, that's, that's about as performance as I would go. It's quite functional, but... Yeah. What about you? Do you have a pair, anyway, for cycling? Yeah, I've got... A few, but I even even when I'm wearing them in micro clipped in, going really slow up a hill or something, I still feel like a bit of a knobhead in them. Mm. Just and I, and you know if you were to ever get off the bike and like grab a drink from somewhere, like I hide them out of sight. I just feel like it's really just like in, in like my back pocket, oh. in the cycle jersey pocket, or like on my helmet or something. But yeah, I just don't feel serious in them. I don't get how people are genuinely wearing them with like fashion. It's just like fashion dreams, isn't it? Do you think it's the same sort of people that wear like Air Monarchs? Yes. The ironic geezers. I don't think Air Monarchs are ironic anymore. I think they're just, that's just what people are doing. For fuck's sake. I give up on fashion. What are your thoughts on the Palace Oakley collection? Do you see that? I'm going to Google it. They used, um, it was like a, I think it was like a mid 90s. Is it a jacket? A jacket. Or is it sunglasses? They do, so they have, there was a jacket, pair of swimming shorts, and like a bucket hat, and the performance thing was like a, a 90s shape, with like a... Oh. That's them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jumbos or mumbos, mumbos, palace mumbos. We're kind of getting to the dregs of 90s pop culture references, aren't we? Like, I feel like we're gonna to lurch towards something else soon. Like is, if you were to be, if you were like a branding person or a designer or whatever, and you're like, cool, I'm gonna try and like, 90s is cool, I'm just gonna write a list of things that I could use. You'd be kind of like getting into the bottom half of your list now, right? Could, next it's gonna be like, I don't know, fucking like, just Oasis shit and Britpop and stuff like that, where it's just a bit... That's a good challenge. Yeah, obviously, obvious, but... And like, lad, you know, the idea of lads, Max? Yeah. You remember when you buy nuts and zoo? That's the, that's the Palace collab, honestly. In other news? Yes. Did you see what Palace have done with the Wimbledon collection? Yes. The best thing about it was the lookbook. I didn't really like any of the product. I agree. I really, actually, no, you know what? I really like the white bucket hat. That's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, because it's made out of that weird, like, it was like French terry towel fabric. Like, everything was made out of that, yeah. apart from the performance bits, which is quite literally be a magnet to dirt and sweat, and it would just change yeah. colour in a few weeks. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like no one's going to be playing actual tennis in that, but someone played in it in, at Wimbledon, didn't they? Yeah, there was a lot of people wearing it at Wimbledon. I think everyone that was, not everyone, but people that were Athena sponsored had the opportunity to wear that kit. And I think the performance 
bits are genuinely like, you know, the climber cool, climber yeah. fit, whatever their stuff is. It is made out of that, so it probably is pretty good on court. And it's like, you're there, like, oh, that's a cool lookbook, and then like, kind of look at the actual collection, and you're just kind of like, this is just another thing with the Palace over on, like, a lot of the Supreme collabs now just stuff with two logos on rather than it serving any particular purpose or whatever. But you, you, you won't catch me in Palace Tennis. No. Nor will you catch me on my bike with studs in my glasses mm. that already look silly. I've seen people wearing them there, walking around. Oh, Genuinely, really? yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, to bring it back around to your sunglasses thing, I actually quite like the shape. I just don't feel like it's acceptable to actually put them on your face and walk around casually. And is it... Is the style that's popular now, is that still popular, in, that shape still popular in cycling or is it all moved on? Yeah, it's all moved on. So similar to what's happening like 90s trainer fashion, it's all really bulky foam stuff that just wouldn't be used yeah. anymore. So it's a similar sort of thing to, in that respect. That so they've got even what, like, has the shape changed or it's just a bit... Exactly that, yeah, so the, 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 some of the shapes that are being used on the Vetamons catwalk, for example, were some of the more recent ones, so like from 2015, 2016, so not old at all, whereas the Oakleys were from the mid-90s before Palace. Yeah. And they're, they're super, like, really big here, so that they kind of hit your cheekbones, and if you were to go cycling with them for a long time, they'd start steaming up because of the sweat condensation oh, would go through. Okay, yeah. Whereas the latest ones have got, like, vents, and they're, it's just like, it's literally comparing an Air Max 95 to a Nike Flyknit Vapor oh, okay, yeah, 4% yeah. bad boy, whatever. It's just, they're two different things because technology has changed yeah, and yeah. how it's been utilised is pretty different as well. What what pair have you got? What's your go-to? I wear a pair of Radar Lock. They're like slightly oversized. The Tour de France edition 2016. They've got like an iridin red and blue finish on the front. Oh, that's it. I think you've seen them. I think so as well. And then I've got like a trolley OG Oakley pair that were the 30th anniversary that were remakes from like the mid, I think it was like either the late 80s or early 90s. And they're like, again, they're really chunky. They're really kind of quite thick. They kind of steam up quite quickly and they get sweaty on the nose, but they just kind of slide. They don't slide around, they do stick quite well, but you can just tell that the technology isn't there. I know it's a lens, but the fit yeah, is kind yeah. of really old school. But it's weird because you can sell, There's like with old trainers, you can get more money for the older stuff than you can the new stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, people yeah. are happy to go on a shorter ride in like, you know, older kit that looks really cool just for the dude. Nice. Do you remember those Oakleys that were the same shape, but they had the built-in MP3 player? Yes. Thumps. Shit, I wanted a pair of those. I would have fucking... Like a fucking side path, like I was about to go and like do some mad shit in a school or something. Like they are like, very shit the school esque, aren't yeah. they? And the, and do you remember the ones at Triple X wore? They were Oakleys. They basically were like instead of going to like normal glasses, traditional glasses have arms that go past your ears. These went on your eyes, and there was a silver bit that went over your eyebrows to the back <laughs> of the skull. Have you seen them? Do you remember them? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And they're like a fucking helmet. I remember seeing them. 
in Free Spirit RIP. Do you remember that shop? Did you no, have a shop? It was Free Spirit. Free Spirit was, I think it was owned by O'Neill. As in the skate, the surf. Yeah. Is that even about anymore? I don't know. They're both gone uh, under. <coughs> I feel like O'Neill is, but I don't think. So yeah, that, they're all having a tough time. Apparently. Yeah, and in in Free Spirit, there was like an Oakley area that I'd always just have a look at and be like, what the fuck are these? And the Triple X wearing them. Triple X, Vin Diesel, Man. Renaissance Man. Man, Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs>